Hi, this is Daniel James, and this is the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R each Tuesday evening. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. Okay, so I've restarted um, many things in uh, this uh, burgeoning studio setup of mine. So uh, hopefully that's sounding better for you for you now. Um, but what I was going to say is that tonight on the show, are oh, you listening to the mission? By the way, um, we have uh, two very important but different things to uh, to talk about as we tend to do on this show. Uh, first of all, it will be the appalling rates of domestic violence suffered in First Nations communities and what can be done to stop it in what is often a cycle of violence before it even starts. So shortly I'll be joined by the one and only deadly uh, broadcaster and educator, Shelley Ware, to talk about the the Stop It at the Start campaign. So more on that shortly. And in the second half of the show, we'll be joined by Productivity Commissioner Lisa Grope. Um, the Commissioner has released a report today that details the astounding levels of inauthentic Indigenous artwork and souvenirs that flood the market depriving genuine First Nations artists and communities of income and the chance to celebrate their culture. So we'll talk to Lisa about that and what can be done to address all of that and more both from a government and regulatory perspective and also from a consumer perspective. Uh, Now, before I get on with um, the show, um, I haven't spoken about COVID in a while and it's been a conscious decision. We're all overloaded by it, but... Where we are at the moment is a timely reminder that we're nowhere near through this thing at the moment. And I know most of my friends have actually suffered from, from COVID, either the Omicron or Delta variant, or two of them. And the chance of reinfection, especially with the new BA5 strain, is particularly high. So, you know, don't want to preach too, too hard, but once again, I, I urge all of us, in order to protect the most vulnerable in our society, to try and remain vigilant. Uh, get your jabs, wear a mask indoors, particularly at pinch points in poorly ventilated venues. Maintain good hand sanitisation. Um, and yes, that still actually works, especially against other allergies. We all know what to do. And even if you do those things, there's a chance, sometimes a very good chance that you're still going to get it. But let's give ourselves a fighting chance to escape this thing and stop the spread as much as we can as we enter into the coldest months of the year. We're just losing too many people on a daily basis. And if we don't remain vigilant, then we just become a petri dish for the next variant, which may not be as forgiving as this one. And to tonight's first guest and to tonight's first very important subject. Um, anyone that is a regular listener to this show would know violence against women and their children is an incredibly serious issue in Australia. And it's a very uh, very, very, very prevalent and important issue for First Nations mobs all across the country. ABS data shows that one in six women have experienced physical or sexual violence by a current or former partner since the age of 15. And this figure increases to nearly one in four when violence by boyfriends, girlfriends and dates is included. One in six women have experienced physical or sexual violence by a current or former partner. And one in four Australian women has experienced emotional abuse from a current or former partner. Well, our first guest this evening is trying to do something about stopping that in what is often a cycle of violence that starts at the very, very essence of childhood and the formation of young minds. She has signed up to start a conversation with family, friends, community and mob 
have young with young have have a yarn with young people in their lives and join the pledge to bring up respect. All of you know Shelley Ware. She's the host of the web show Colour of Your Jumper and hosts her own Facebook show Where To Now, sharing everyday people's stories. She's a member of the ABC's Out of Sanctum podcast, also appearing regularly on Facebook show Broad Radio. Shelley writes a fortnightly AFL column for the Courier Mail, and she's well known as part of the groundbreaking NITV SBS football show Mangrook. But above that also, she is a, an educator as well as an excellent broadcaster, and she hopes, hosts workshops across the country in Aboriginal history, culture and art within the primary and secondary school classrooms around this country. And I'm very, very pleased and honoured to say that Shelley is on the line with us now. Shelley, how are you? I'm great, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Uh, absolute, absolute pleasure. I've uh, been wanting to get on the show in one capacity or another for um, some time, and this is a very good time and a very good cause to bring you on. Um, what drove you to, to become part of uh, this campaign? Well, unfortunately, I have um, seen domestic violence firsthand and the effects of, that it has on children that I've worked with for many, many years. Not personally have I experienced um, domestic violence, but I've seen the long-term effects and the way that children are particularly affected. And you talked about me being a teacher, and I'm really passionate about that. And, you know, the work that Dadi Mamwaro do about, you know, um, perpetrators along with victims as well. I've, it's just something that I've been involved with, the Carlton Football Club as well, with their Respects program. And when I was asked to do it, it was a complete no-brainer for me. You know, the start it at the... Or stop it at the start campaign, sorry, is... It's just about, you know, making that change with our young people. And that's where a lot of my passions lie. So the aim the aim of the campaign is to really stop it before it starts, um, uh, having those um, honest, earnest but tough conversations with, with young folk at an early age. Um, is, that, is that the primary aim of, of, of the campaign? It sure is. You know, my son is included in this campaign and we're sitting around... In the video that we've, um, as one of the things that you do, is you do a video when you're part of this campaign. And I got to sit with Taj at a place that he loves, where at um, Urban Surf, just surfing, you know. So it's about having those everyday conversations, you know, like really highlighting that you can be somewhere where they're really comfortable and they're relaxed, and all of a sudden they'll open up about their day and seizing the moment to, mm. you know, talk about respect, talk about how they might have handled a situation or in the future how they could handle you. Know, stopping conversations that you hear, you know, like so many times growing up, all I ever heard was, God, he treats you like that because he likes you. You know, like those little things that we say all the time to kids, oh, you know, they're just having a bad day. Like we've got to stop saying those things and, and letting kids know that it's okay to say no against that and, and those, those things that are being almost ingrained into our society. We've got to get rid of them. And starting with our children, starting those conversations about respect really, really early, like I've done with my son, I didn't, and when it came up, they asked me to do it, and they were asking him questions about, oh, when you've been disrespectful to a woman, he said, that's never happened because we've been having these conversations for a really long time. It's, we've been living it. So, um, you know, it's it's something I'm really proud of in the way that he answered his questions when we were doing our interviews, that it was evident that this has been part of our life. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if I, if I honestly reflect on when I was his age, um, and some of the conversations that were had um, in and around and about 
uh, women in particular and just some of the toxicity around some of the language and, and the conversations that were had between um, peer groups and those that I witnessed that were older than me around football clubs. Um, it really, really does have um, an influence on, on on a burgeoning mind. And I think some of yeah. the, the, the the trick around uh, this, Shelley, is to even start having the conversations with um, with young ones before you even see some of the attitudinal behaviour that we've been describing start in the first place. Of course. Of course, those open conversations about how you treat people are important. And also how you model your behaviour towards people. You know, that's what we're trying to change too. We're trying to change adults and get them to reflect on the way that they are behaving in front of their children. It's not about us, like, it's happened here, let's fix it. Let's have conversations where this doesn't happen, you know. So it's not a part of who they are. And when their friends say something, they call it out. You know, I've I've overheard my son having conversations with his friends where he'll say, no, we're not going to have this conversation. I need you to think about what you're talking about. It's not okay. And giving them the reasons why. And having giving our kids that confidence to stand up against that too. Yeah, that's really great to hear. Um, again, yeah, calling out behaviour when you see it and then arming your children or those that you have access to or that you perhaps you're a gardener or an uncle or auntie of, um, um, giving yeah. them the, the tools to actually work with um, to, in terms of calling out some of this this, this behaviour. The campaign itself um, has some tips as to how to hold some of these difficult um conversations. Um, are you able to, to give us some insights into how people should go about it? Yeah, so there are some fantastic conversation starters, tools and resources that people can go to that are really specific to your needs. Like I was having a really good look the other day and I just was completely blown away by how much is actually there, how much information. So if you head to respect.gov.au, you will find the campaign and you'll find other videos to watch. You'll find Taj and I there in our video. You know, share the information with your friends, share it with your colleagues at work and um, talk about it. Talk about the um, Stop It At The Start campaign and, and make the pledge, you know, with your children, with your family to, um, you know, you know, bring up respect. That's the pledge we're asking. Bring up respect. Talk about it with those kids all the time. Let's break this cycle of violence um, by encouraging adults to reflect on their attitudes and conversations about respect to young people. And, and we need this next generation to come in and, and for this to be stamped out and not be a part of that every day. Too many women and men are, are suffering and it's, it's time to stop. Absolutely. And you mentioned, you know, the cycle of, of violence and so much of this stuff, uh, Shelley, is intergenerational. Um, but we know um, through through our own histories and, and you would know um, from your own history and um, from witnessing some of your mob, it only takes one person in one generation to, to break that cycle of violence and create a new norm. That's right. When we speak up, we empower those around us to do the same. Absolutely. Um, so if people want more information, they can go to uh, respect.gov.au. Um, a couple of questions before I let you go, Shelley. What, what are some of the signs or behaviours that adults can look for? Because we know when kids are around their friends, they behave um, very differently to the way they do around their guardians or their parents or their uncles and aunties and even some of their older cousins. Um, as a parent or a guardian or as um, a family member, what are some of the signs that you can actually look for in terms of some of this type of behaviour needing to be addressed? I think it's just in the way that they... Um, 
talk about women, about the way that they may look, about the relationships that they have with their family members, um, with a friend. You know, like it's just a tiny, it can be the tiniest little comment. You've got to really sit down and have that open conversation about respect. Don't let those flippant little comments go away. Um, you know, so, but it's all about open communication. If you're having really open conversations with someone, I mean, he tells me things that blow my mind, you know, because forever I've had an open conversation and with no judgment. So he feels safe to talk to me. And I think that's that's the biggest thing that you can give your child is a safe space in your space to be able to talk to. But, you know, always looking um, for a moment where you can make your kid a better kid. Um, you know, I think that's, that's important. Yeah, and, and like you mentioned at the start of the interview, you know, the environments, take take them somewhere where they're relaxed or something they love doing and then, and then hopefully that will open up um, genuine and thoughtful conversations yeah. as well. Absolutely, and if they've surrounded themselves with people that aren't good for them, have those conversations too and talk to them about, you know, the people you surround yourself with, the people that you become. So that certainly is something to look out for as well. Well, it's a very, very important initiative. Um, Stop It at the Start is the name of the initiative. If you want to get more information, go to respect.gov.au. There you will see a video of uh, Shelley with a young fellow having an authentic and genuine conversation mm -hmm. about these issues. Um, just with you, Shelley, what, what are you working on at the moment? I know that you're, you're, you're a very, very busy person. Is there anything that we can um, that's in the works that we should keep our eye out for? Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm doing some work with Cultures Life at the moment, working on this fantastic show that's coming up. It'll be a three-part series on SBS about the Australian Moors, and oh, wow. I think you should keep an eye out for that. It's going to be absolutely brilliant and change a lot of people's perspectives on how this country um, was founded. So something to keep keep an eye out for. It's the end of September. Oh, wow, that sounds really exciting. Well, um get you back on the show to, uh, to to give it a plug in the talk through some of the issues and themes yeah. within it. That'd be great. Um, Shelley, thanks so much for coming on um, this evening. Stay warm. You're in Melbourne. You know how cold it is. Um, <laughs> just look after yourself. Um, make sure you've got two pairs of socks on and um, have a great evening. I have. <laughs> you too. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, right. Shelley. Triple. Yes, it is true. You're, you're listening to, to Triple R. Um, thank you to Shelley for a fantastic uh, conversation about a really important issue. Um, but if we just get back to my studio for a sec, I've spent an inordinate amount of money trying to set this thing up. And, and thank you to um, on the text line to uh, 700 for uh, alerting me to the fact that I had a Darth Vader voice filter on. No, I didn't. Um, it's just that I don't know how to work the equipment yet. But um, I'm working with people. I'm working with people smarter and brighter and more technically savvy than I am to uh, sort this thing out. As far as I'm concerned, uh, Dan Dare's setup uh, is, is the best setup <clears throat> late, on a, late on a Friday night. It sounds like he's in the studio, whether he's in the studio or not, whether he's in uh, Warren Ponds or East Brunswick or um, Witchy Proof, wherever he is, it sounds like he's in the studio. That's what I'm aiming for because I want to bring you value for your subscriber money. And if you're not subscribed yet, subscribe anyway. So um, just a reminder, we do have a text line, 0466981027. Um, you can actually save a show by texting in to that text line and then give a moment. So um, thank you very much uh, once again. Uh, look, it, it's 7.31. We're going to play another tune and then we're going to bring in our next guest, uh, Commissioner Lisa Grop, to talk about 
well, the prevalence of inland thought, inauthentic Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander art and souvenirs in various markets and shops and places around the place. Triple R. Uh, now, we've all seen it. Uh, we're moving on to our second guest for the evening. Uh, whether it be a market store, some tacky tourist-orientated souvenir shop, um, artwork and souvenirs in the form of boomerangs and didgeridoos that purport to be genuine in their authenticity, purported to be made by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, but are far, far from being authentic. It's become a problem and one that is getting larger in scale to the point where two in three Indigenous-style souvenirs are all inauthentic, with no connection to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. In a draft report today, the Productivity Commission is calling for mandatory labelling on inauthentic products to warn consumers um, and make sure that the regulations and rules around what is authentic and non-authentic are strengthened. Now, to tell us about the report's findings, we are joined by the Productivity Commissioner, Lisa Gropp. Lisa was appointed to the Commission in 2019 and has extensive experience in applied economic research and development of public policy focusing on national economic capability and productivity. And I'm very pleased to say that Lisa is on the line with us now. Lisa, welcome to Triple R. Thank you. Thank you. That was a very nice introduction. Oh, uh, well, it's all true. Yeah. I'm, not, Look, I'm, I'm not making it up. <laughs> no, that's probably what we sent, that's probably what, what, what we sent you. <laughs> well, yeah, yes, I, I no. tinkered with it a little bit. But I know, I know you've been doing the rounds today, so thanks for coming on at this relatively um, uh, late hour. Um, when you started off working on this report, did you have any idea of the scale of the problem? Look, we, th this is not a, a new issue, as you said in your introduction. I mean, there have been many reports, and but up till now, I, I think it's been more about people surveying tourist shops and going in and saying, oh, there's... You know, there's a high proportion seem to be um, fake or inauthentic, but ours was, you know, our terms of reference, among other things, were, you know, very explicit as about us trying to get a, a feel for the overall size of the problem. And look, we haven't got all the data. We've had to use different techniques to try and get a, an overall sense. But we're looking at, you know, different websites, etc. And so we, looking at all these different products, we've come up with this. We're pretty, you know, certain that it's about Two and th as you said, it's about two and three indigenous style products are uh, inauthentic. There are other products we haven't been able to look at. So, in terms of the dollars, we're saying it's at least fifty million dollars worth of, of inauthentic product, but that's a pretty conservative estimate. Yeah. And so yeah. it is a it is a big problem. Yeah, I would imagine that it'd be really hard to sort of pinpoint the the key figure. But what we do know is that every inauthentic piece of art or, or souveniring um, actually deprives genuine First Nations artists um, and um, designers of of income because we have a market flooded yeah. by things that they shouldn't have to compete against. Yeah, and often consumers think they are buying something because it's, sometimes the label is really unclear. You'd, you might say Indigenous designed or something like that, but but it's 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 not really, um, and it's, it's there's no connection, as you said, there's no connection to an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander artist at all. So they're not getting any any funds from it. Consumers are being misled, and they they feel ripped off when they realise they've bought something. It's not authentic, but it goes the harms go further than that because you know it's sort of a it's a cultural sort of 
dilution, if you like, that there's, um, you know, culture and art are, go hand in hand for Indigenous people and for them to see their culture being diluted, there's personal harms of the offence, etc. So it goes beyond the economic harms as well. Yeah, it's actually, uh, like you just said, diluting uh, a form of cultural expression um, and Correct. it deprives... Yeah. It deprives uh, First Nations mobs around the country of actually telling our stories and, and getting them out there, um, and, and this sort of yeah. skews the the entire the entire um, uh, market. Well, um, that's right. People the... sort of see these stereotypical things and think that's Indigenous art, and it's not. Yeah, exactly. And you know, we have things like um, yidikis and didgeridoos um, down here in Victoria that is often sort of portrayed as being from here and being authentic to, to local mobs. But in in reality, we know that um, the didgeridoos in particular were never really a part of the place we now call uh, Victoria. So it skews skew mm. the entire story of what we're actually trying to correct um, around this. So what is what is the Productivity Commission proposing to be done about some of this? Well, a few things. First of all, we're proposing a label of inauthenticity so that if, if a product has no connection to an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander artist, it has to have a label on it saying that. Um, now, why did we pick that, that approach? I mean, there has been talk of a ban, but we one of the issues... We're not saying not, not a ban, but one of the issues around a ban is we think it would, could catch up a lot of authentic products, um, and then that would impose burdens on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander artists to sort of demonstrate that their, that their product was, was authentic. It was made under licence, for example. But, yeah. um, and also, we also looked at an industry-wide voluntary authentic, authenticity label, but there, that also goes to this issue that the burden is then placed on the artist to say that this is I'm my product is authentic and we don't like that idea of putting the compliance burden onto the artist. So right. we think this is kind of a middle course that will inform consumers. But we're also that's not that's not the only thing we're proposing. We're also proposing a new piece of legislation that will give um, communities, traditional owners, more legal rights and control over their cultural expressions, their storylines, their symbols, their motifs, and over who uses them and how they're used. So would it be like a kind of a broader extension of copyright, if you like, and it would be a standalone act? And so that if somebody misused or used a, 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 a cultural expression without permission, appropriate permission, then action could be taken. And this is yeah, quite a novel approach. Yeah, that's that's a, um, uh, if I understand this correctly, a sort of a, an ex a strengthening of the indigenous cultural and intellectual property. Um, Absolutely, uh, yeah. And and that, but 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 not only just strengthening it, taking it further, and actually creating a piece of legislation by itself to ensure <laughs> this is crystal clear. Yeah, yeah, because creating a new right really. Um, at the moment, you've got copyright protection, and you have you know some other protections, but they're incidental. I mean, because the problem with copyright as it applies to um, Indigenous cultural expression is that copyright only applies for a limited period and it's for a particular person who, who, who drew or, you know, created something, not for a community um, storyline or that notion of 
communality, if you like, it doesn't doesn't apply in those laws, and that's where it gets a bit um, difficult to apply a legal protection. So this is a new remedy, and we hope that that would also doesn't mean that there'll be court cases going everywhere, but it means that there will be a framework for and people to be educated to seek permissions, the protocols to how to seek permissions from you know to use certain um, um, cultural expressions in, in visual arts. Yeah, so what you're recommending is you're aiming to to strengthen the the I guess the armory that artists can have recourse to to, to ensure that their the work is uh, protected. Yeah. Uh, but the other element, and I guess in, in in some ways it's kind of like the main element. It is trying to, I guess, arm consumers with with a very very clear idea of what's authentic and and inauthentic. Yeah. What's what's it look like at the moment? I mean, I know you know you might pick up a boomerang at the the Vic market and you, you turn it over and then you realise that it's made in Indonesia or or somewhere like that. Um, yeah, yeah. How, how, confu- how confusing is it for, for consumers at the moment? Oh, it's terribly confusing. My fellow commissioner and I, um, Ron Mokak, we were up in yep. went up to the Ken's Arts there a couple of weeks ago and went to um, Karanda Markets up in the hills. Um, and boy, we couldn't, we could, you know, some things are obviously um, not not the real thing, like bamboo didgeridoos and stuff like that, but. But other things, they, they sort of might be marked as though they're Indigenous design or Indigenous... But it's really hard, it, it, you know, it, it, is it under licence to an Indigenous artist or not? And that's really difficult. And um, retailers are facing... We spoke with retailers who are trying to do the right thing, but they just say it's really hard to get, you know, confirmation or to get the clarity around the, the integrity of the supply chain. So we're hoping yeah. to sort of this, this proposal will help with that. So to enact some of these changes, what, which tier of government does this reside with in terms of enacting some of this? With the federal government for, for both, um, for yep. the under the Australian competition law, or consumer law, sorry, not competition, consumer law, and then this new piece of legislation would be a federal piece of legislation. Okay, well, thank yep. you for your work on this. It's, um, again, really, really important. Um, um, not only to the, the economic benefits of uh, communities, but also um, ensuring that the story that First Nations mobs around the place are trying to get out is authentic and clear and um, as readily available um, as possible. Um, if people want to um, learn more about the report, they can go to uh, pc.gov.au. Um, Correct. And they can also read, read the report, but also there's, they can make comments or make submissions um, we want to hear from as many people as possible what they think about what we're what we're saying. Yep, you can go to pc.gov.au if you want to make a comment or submission. Um, every one of us, I reckon everyone listening would have some sort of story about an authentic piece of uh, artwork that we've come across. So um, if you want to um, lay it down and add to the story and make sure that uh, our government has a compelling case as possible to change some of these things, go to that website. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the show and um, uh, thank you for your work and um, may you have a nice and warm evening. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. Well, that's it for another episode of uh, The Mission. 
Uh, thank you very much to Commissioner Lisa Gropp for coming in. And I also thank you very much to Shelley Ware. Uh, you can listen back to this show on rr.org.au. Um, coming up um, uh, is the wonderful team at Superfluity. Um, sorry I can't be there, but why would I go in there when I can fuck things up here instead of fucking things up there? It's just much easier for me. So um, stay tuned. They'll be with you from 8 till 10 this evening. Um, until next week, I'm going to head bush for a little bit, but I will be back on Tuesday for another episode of The Mission from 7pm uh, to 8pm. Um, stay strong, stay safe, and stay listening. Oh, and uh, one more thing. No, that didn't work either. See, the, the, whole, the whole thing is, a, is an absolute shambles. Let me, let me try that again. One more thing. Hang on, is that the right one? Is that the right one? Yep. Okay. Sums up my technical ability. Uh, see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R every Tuesday evening. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website.